Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As I've acknowledged to you, it's in my notes so I can repeat it. Uh, as I acknowledged to you before, uh, while standing on this platform and on the one that used to be slightly in front of this platform, one of the life and leadership lessons that it took me way too long to grasp is the inevitability and the necessity of change. <clears throat> For much of my tenure here as pastor, I either con- consciously or subconsciously was trying to get everything just right under the illusion or perhaps delusion that it would somehow stay that way and we would see substantial, sustained ministry fruit. Finally, I came to embrace the reality that while Jesus does not change and his principles do not change, everything else in creation is always in a state of change. We've been on this road to succession for some time now. Actually, years. Most actively for about a year now. But I think it's safe to say that we're rounding the final curve and entering the home stretch. As we, being Diana, I, the leadership team here at Caring Community, the regional leadership team, as we've indicated to you, I'm going to take these final weeks to share some of my thoughts on the changes ahead. I'm not wise enough to hit on all of them, but I think I do have enough perspective and experience to touch on a few of the things that collectively we need to process. And I just want to say, change is simply change. It is not inherently good or bad. It is just different. I suspect that we have all experienced changes in our lives that were positive, and we've undoubtedly experienced changes that we would put in a different category. Undoubtedly, there have been some changes in your lives that did not turn out the way you expected them. Some, perhaps, you thought were going to be great, and they ended up to be not so much. While others that you initially thought were bad, and it ended up being something really good. Change is simply change. Repeat that with me. Change is simply change. In my opinion, as we move forward... Many things about caring community will change. Some things will not change. And a few things must not change. Some changes will be more personal in nature, while others may have a broader impact upon the day-to-day ministry of caring community and your own individual and collective lives. I'd originally, again... Most of you have figured out by now how my brain works, at least on some level. I had originally planned to do separate messages, a message on will, a message on will not, a message on must not, and then a cleanup message where I figured out everything that I missed and at least tried to get it. I, I've talked about this before. You, you have to understand what it's like. Um, if you've ever gone on vacation and had to leave someone else in charge, at least in my experience, the closer I get to 
to departure, the more things pop up. Oh, I got to make sure they know this, or I got to make sure they know that. And I've been there when I left my kids in charge, when I left other people in charge, whatever. And the irony of it is, is I always miss stuff, but things are still there when I get back. And so that's where I'm trying to wrap my head around and, and approach. But I originally thought I'd do a will message and a will not message and a must not match message. But now that the time is here, um, the separation will not necessarily be that clearly defined. However, much like last week and probably much like the next several weeks, today I will be wor- weaving together some historical backstory bordering on hysterical backstory, but historical backstory, and musing about some of the things that I believe will, or at the very least, may change. And the first of those is how things look. By design, I have had, excuse me, I would say by design, I know virtually nothing about the candidate or candidates that the search team is considering. However, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I'm very confident that none of the candidates that they are considering are 66-year-old white guys who are overweight, out of shape, and look just like me, (laughs) who are married to their high school sweetheart for over 46 years, and she just happens to look like Diana. All right? If you've managed to do that, my head will explode and I will apologize and say I'm sorry. (laughs) Things are going to look different. Just understand that and embrace that. In the weeks, excuse me, days, weeks, months, and years to come, and that is not a bad thing. Please understand that. For the entire history of this church, on some level... The personality, the preferences, the passions, and the perspectives of Steve and Diana Schaaf have left fingerprints on virtually every aspect of church life. Location, architecture, colors, styles, dress, decorations, furnishings. Even things like, well, we'll come back to that. Inside, outside, even how the chairs are set up and where we park. Many of you, not all of you, many of you in the good old days may have stumbled in here at night when I was in here with a tape measure making sure the chairs were just right. (laughs) Many of you were fearful to reset the chairs after an event because you knew it wouldn't measure up to my standard. I've worked really hard to get over that. Sometimes I just walk away, all right? (laughs) But things are going to look different, and that's okay. With the passage of time, our fingerprints will fade, and things will continue to look differently. And friends, that's uncomfortable, but that is a really, really good thing. All right? Now, having had grandchildren who went from infants to adults to see some of those baby fingerprints around once in a while might bring a warm fuzzy. But we would never want them to stay there. We enjoy relishing the young adults that they are. 
And so as those baby fingerprints went away, sure, there was a, oh, I I missed that. More from one of us than the other, but I'll let you figure out who. (laughs) But that's okay. And I just need you to embrace that. How things are done. On numerous occasions, perhaps as recent as last week, I've joked about how clueless I was when we moved here to start a church. And oftentimes that comment generates some good-natured laughter. But the fact remains that it is true. And because it is true, that has shaped the ministry into what it is today, for better and for worse. Most of you know my degree is in psychology. I met the remainder of my requirements for ordination by taking Bible classes and such at Spring Arbor University. Excuse me. But in terms of church management, most of that was remote learning before remote learning was a thing. All right. (laughs) They sent you lessons, you typed them out, sometimes on a literal typewriter, for those of you that remember those things, and mailed them back in. So, the way things are done here, we're influenced and shaped by that. I had preached before coming to Albion, Linda asked about the date, and starting on May 17, 1981, I had preached occasionally in various churches around the Battle Creek area that were desperate for pulpit supply. I will tell you with great pride, I never got asked back a second time. <laughs> Perhaps that's why they sent me here, because nobody could ask me not to come back for a while anyway. <clears throat> but when it came to planning a preaching calendar, <clears throat> I just figured it out as I went. And if you've been here long enough, you have seen how that has changed dramatically for better and perhaps not for better, over the course of time. When we came here and started, I had never been responsible, hear that, never been responsible for planning an entire worship service, let alone doing so every week. When it came to planning worship service, I just figured it, and we all just figured it out as we went along. And if you look at what we used to do and what we do today, it's very, very, very different. All right? There were days, three hymns and a message and some announcements and maybe a prayer thrown in and the offering. And three hymns was somebody at times who was barely competent on a piano and me standing there with an open hymnal not saying a word because I wouldn't sing in front of people. (laughs) Hopefully someone in the group would at least get us started in the general direction of what it's supposed to sound like. We're not where we were. And moving forward, you don't need to be where we are. Keep moving forward. Prior to starting here, 
This is just, my, my head explodes at times, people. You're probably thinking, yeah, we figured that out. But anyway, um, prior to starting here, I had attended two church board meetings in my entire life. I attended part of one as like an intern at First Wesleyan in Battle Creek when I had a college class that necessitated me doing something like that. And I attended part of another one when I was interviewing for a job at a church in Flint. And some of you have heard that story, but just I wasn't offered the job. We'll just leave it at that. When it comes to how our LBA operates, local board administration, I'm sorry, when it comes to how we do business in those types of areas, we have just kept figuring it out. And some of the old-timers will tell you our board meetings now are dramatically different than they were. And wherever people came into the board, it was different before they came, and it will look different moving forward. And that's a good thing, but you just need to embrace things are not going to be done the same way. Over the course of our existence, the way we do things has always been evolving. Oftentimes it may have been so subtle that the changes were almost imperceptible, but they were there. It was never, and it should never be, about finding the right way, but rather about finding the way that works for this ministry during a particular season or situation. So as a new pastor comes in, and as the ministry of this church moves forward and continues to grow, it will be perfectly natural and expected for things to be done differently. There may be times where it would be contextually appropriate, but I would pray that my successor rarely or never hears, that's not the way we've always done things. It's okay to help them understand how we've done things. But it's okay to understand, it's necessary to understand that things need to be done differently. And that's a good thing. Now, obviously, there are some things I would hope, (laughs) I hope, that you would want to retain. There are some things you may want to tweak a little. There are some things that may want to tweak a lot. But be very cautious what you hold on to and how you prioritize those things. Who does what? I've not had this conversation with Dan, um, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. Unless Jesus comes in the foreseeable future, I don't think Dan plans to be vice chair until Jesus comes or until you all go to see Jesus. Is that a fair assumption? All right, all right. Linda yes said yes before Dan did, but anyway. Um, I doubt that Todd will always be head trustee. I doubt that Kathleen will always be worship leader. I doubt that Cheryl will always be volunteer coordinator. Things will change, and who does things will change. I have not had direct conversation along this specific topic, but... I suspect there's a pretty good chance that one of Barb Owen's descendants will not be in charge of our finances 
for the rest of this church's existence. We have been blessed that between Barb and Amy and Michelle, 35 years of tenure and consistency with our bookkeeping. But it won't always be that way. You know this. You know this here. I need you to know this here in your heart. Your next pastoral family will have different skill sets and passions than Diana and me. Therefore, they will not do everything that Diana and I have done, which is not a bad thing, because they will also do some things, perhaps many things, that Diana and I have not done. And that's a good thing. Diana and I each have very unique experiences, strengths, weaknesses, which have shaped and influenced. I mean, our lives before we came here, our lives since we've been here, all of that has shaped and influenced how we uniquely contribute to the ministry here. And you have grown used to that. I joke about, but, but it's a reality. <clears throat> how do you have 41 years of tenure in one church? First of all, it helps if there was nobody before you so you're not compared to them. <laughs> it helps a lot. I've never once heard, that's not how the old pastor used to do it. <laughs> Maybe you've talked about your pastor at another church, and that's good because you're at this church now, so this is how we do it. All right. But <clears throat> it's unique, but it's okay for those things to change. Our successors will have their unique experiences, strengths, weaknesses. And that will influence and shape the parts of the ministry that they grab hold of. And I will say this again. I guarantee you over the next several weeks, I will say this again. But please allow your our successors to carve out their own unique roles. And don't expect them to fit our mold. It's not that we're all that. It's just that we're all unique. And it's not reasonable to expect someone who has a totally different life experience, ministry experience, educational experience, and who has not been a part of our history up to this point, to just automatically come in and fit some predetermined mold. So please, give them that freedom. As I talk about who does what... Understand, maybe you've gone there in your head, maybe you haven't. But understand that moving forward, your roles in the church, your individual role in the church may change. There's a very strong probability that you may need to step up in new areas to make sure the ministry has what it needs. But there's also a strong probability you may need to step aside in some familiar areas to make way for things to be done differently and for new people to do them. So just prepare your mind, but more importantly, prepare your heart to understand who does what will change. Who provides some of your pastoral care began to change in 2018 in a significant way as the church prepared for our sabbatical. 
Upon my return, we made the decision to continue with some of those changes as the local board administration and the volunteer coordinator embraced more of the responsibility for pastoral care. With the onset of the pandemic in early 2020, the nature of pastoral care continued to shift. I'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks. But moving forward, your next pastoral family and the current leadership team will be the ones to provide for your pastoral care needs. It will not be Diana and me. As evidenced by the information that the LBA is providing on the bulletin boards, on the slides, in your bulletin, I can assure you, while it may look different, you will be well cared for. I can assure you of that. Please, please, please be patient and give the new team a chance to serve you. And please, 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 Keep sight of the fact that all of you are responsible for congregational care. If someone is a part of this body and they say, I just don't feel connected, we all own that. We all own that. Regardless of what position you hold. If you're in the body... You're in the body. And if you're in the body and a part of the body is hurting, we all own it. (laughs) Is this uncomfortable for anybody? Okay. Then I'll see what I can do about that. Um, Name, mission, vision. Some of you know this. Some of you may not. But a very quick historical review how our name came to be Caring Community Church as Diane and I were new Christians uh, and we were excited about our spiritual growth and as I began while still attending the church in Battle Creek and working full time in a secular job as I began to take classes at Spring Arbor and it became known I was preparing for uh, some type of full-time Christian service. The church we were at was a larger church, and sometimes larger churches struggle to feel connected. So they started a small group ministry. This is kind of back when small groups were kind of new things. They started a small group ministry, and the purpose of the small group ministry was to break the congregation up into smaller geographical segments that would meet um, weekly and, and do study together, review the pastor's sermon, pray, and care for one another. Because big church, it was impossible for the staff to care for everybody. So they called these groups care groups. And as part of my development and my leadership development... Just a second here. As part of my leadership development, they and, and they had shepherds over the individual care groups... And as part of our leadership development, they assigned Diana and I to a, to a care group as the assistant shepherds. We weren't ready to be a real shepherd, uh, but they assigned us to help. And, and I would lead some of the Bible studies, and, and we would call on to people if something was going on, and just, just generally care about people. And other than that, we had been involved in youth group, and we had been heavily involved in children's ministry. 
So when we moved to Albion to start the church, the thing that made the most sense, we didn't have a launch program. We didn't have a bunch of people already recruited before we got here. We just kind of showed up and woohoo, here we are, Albion, y'all come see us. Uh, but um, we thought, well, we know how to do care groups, so let's start a care group. And so we started a care group. And as we began to think, okay, now maybe we need to actually have, start having public services, well, we probably ought to have a name and care group. In the, for those of you who are old timers, you may understand, in the 80s, the church was changing and all the cool kids were community churches. Um, and in Albion, we are a part of the Wesleyan Church, but the United Methodist Church, which shares some of our heritage, but is a, a very different group of, of thought, thoughts and actions. The Methodist Church here in town had already had the audacity to name one of their meeting locations as Wesley Chapel. And I thought, okay, we're going to be a Wesleyan Church, and they've got Wesley Chapel if we're the first Wesleyan Church of Albion, like there was ever going to be a second, but if we're the first Wesleyan Church of Albion, that might be weird. And so since all the cool kids were naming their churches community, we were already doing a care group. Caring community church made sense. And that's where we landed. And it has served us well. Uh, I've told you before that we've had other churches in town suggest that somehow by our name we were implying that they didn't care. Um, that was never our intent. Um, but, but I want you to hear me today. What and who we are transcends our name. According to this, I'm Steve Schaefe, and I look like a Weird black blob, all right? (laughs) But I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a friend. I'm a Christ follower. And it goes on and on and on. If today I change my name to Steve Omer, I would not stop being, I would probably be more of a Michigan State fan, but I would not stop being, I would not stop being a son, a brother. I would still, in my core, be the same person. So trust me, names are incredibly valuable. But who we are transcends our name. And who we are as the body of Christ. As, and again, I'm not saying the name needs to change, but I'm saying if there came a point in time where that was perceived to have value, understand who we are is more than the name. Sometimes a name change is helpful. Sometimes a name change is meaningful. Sometimes a name change is significant. The church that sent us here was First Wesleyan Church of Battle Creek. Apparently the cool kids don't call themselves that anymore and they're now Woodlands Church. 
They had gone through a series of changes and transitions, and they felt an opportunity to redefine themselves on some level by changing what they were called had value. They did not stop being who they were, and that didn't necessarily dictate who they would become, but they saw that as an valuable part of the process. And, and, and again, just bear with me for a moment. I've been picking on the Omer, so I'll pick on Linda. I didn't say hi to Linda this morning. Linda, were you born Linda Omer? What were you born? Linda White. Linda White. Diana, were you born Diana Shafe? No, you were born Diana Eifler. There came a point in time at which these women and several others in the room um, made a change in their lives. They didn't stop being the unique individuals they were, but a name change was a significant part of saying, I'm moving in a different direction. It's biblical. As God was working in the people of Israel, at one point he said to Jacob, you know what? You've been okay as Jacob, but I've got better plans for you. I'm going to change your name. And you'll be Israel. At one point in the New Testament, there was an individual named Saul. And when God got it, Saul was not a great person. And I'm being gracious. But at one point, when God got a hold of his life, he said, you know, it's just time to leave this Saul thing behind. And I think we'll call you Paul. Another individual in Acts chapter 4, it talks about a man named Joseph. Not Jesus' father, but another man named Joseph. And as the new church was beginning to be formed, this man had such a gift of encouragement that they changed his name from Joseph to Barnabas because Barnabas meant son of encouragement. And so from then on, I don't know that he's, maybe Matthew or Reuben, I don't know that he's ever called Joseph again after that moment because that's what he became known as. So again, understand, I'm not saying it needs to change. I'm not saying it must change. But I am saying, don't let your head explode if that discussion comes up. And I felt like I was uniquely equipped to say that. And please understand, if you change the name to something different, I will celebrate that. Unless you call it Steve Schaaf Memorial Church and don't go there. All right? I... I, we grew up in an area where there were a couple of churches that were named after former pastors. It's like, geez, that's kind of doomed to fail. But anyway, um, I just, just, I just wanted you to wrap your head around it. And then the other is mission and vision. <clears throat> I'll touch on it next week. There are some things that I don't think should ever change. Basically, things like why the church exists and why the church does what it does. A reason for existing. And it's really pretty much applicable to all churches. However, I want to say the words and the images that are used to define the why questions need to change over time. I shared with the LBA a while back when we were having some discussions along these lines. 
when we started, our mission, and, and please understand, I don't recommend this, all right? I don't recommend this. But our mission when we started was to start a church. That was about as narrowly as we defined it. Get people together, have service every week, and just reach out to people in the name of Jesus. But we didn't have a clearly defined or articulated vision. And at one point in time, after we'd been around for a few years, we we came to a point of crisis. I mean, things were rough. And I reached out to a ministry leader whom I respected, and, and they challenged us that we needed to kind of define why we do what we do, a mission or vision. And we thought about it, and, and we settled on the phrase, reaching up, reaching in, reaching out. Reaching up to Jesus, which brings a transforming power that enables us to reach in and become people of integrity. And then as we've reached up, as we've reached in, and allowed our lives to be transformed by the power of the gospel, we need to reach out. And that served as a mission, vision statement for us for a really long time. But I'm wondering, some of you, anybody here never heard us refer to that phrase? Anybody? Okay. All right. So then, eventually, we had another rough patch. And well, what do you do? Well, let's revisit why we do what we do and how we describe why we do what we do. And that's when we came to the general adaptation of the mission vision statement we've used for quite a while, and especially the the phrase Christ-centered and family-focused. Now, that's not to say before that mission statement we weren't Christ-centered and family-focused, but we just chose to articulate it that way. And on many levels, that's served us well. But again, just like our name does not define us the catchphrases, the taglines we use to describe why what we, we do what we do can change without changing the direction. And sometimes you may need to use them to help change the direction as well. So I, I just, my heart's desire is for each of you to do a work, allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in each of your heart to just make sure that individually and collectively you're holding on to the things that really matter, but you're holding loosely the things that don't really matter all that much. Do they matter? Sure they matter. But are they stuff to drive the stake and say, from here we will not move? And to me, that's a pretty short list. Will not, will, will not, must not. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just before that, in Hebrews 13, verse 5, there's a quote that actually comes from much earlier in the Bible. And this includes part of it. Deuteronomy 31, 16, I can't, or 31, 6, I may have kind of used something similar to this recently. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And if I could have us all collectively lean into that, I would say, yes, Jesus will never change. Yes, everything else will change. But most importantly, 
he will always be with us. Regardless of who your pastor is, regardless of who serves in any capacity, regardless of how things are done, regardless of how things look, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this incredible group of family and friends, and I thank you for the privilege you have given Diana and I of putting our fingerprints all over everything. And I thank you for everyone's patience, and I thank you for everyone's partnership. And Father, I do, as much uncertainty as there is, I look forward to what you want to do in the future. I look forward to the fact that things will change. And that's a good thing. And I look forward to the way you're going to work in these people's hearts to make sure things change in a way that helps this group and those we represent to increasingly stay on mission to accomplish your work in your world. Thank you, Father. Amen.